0: This is the Z-Books Successful Authors Podcast with Eric Z. We're going to learn the
1: truth about eBooks.
0: Welcome to Z-Books Successful Authors Podcast. And today I've got one of my favorite authors. I helped him make his first book, so I'm super proud, you know, and, uh, and he really uh, uh, settles the question, you know, There. are Bunch of whiners around that say, oh, you can't make money in Kindle nowadays. That was just in 2010 and 11, you know, the gold rush. And boom, along comes Gregory Deal and makes you know, a bunch of money with his first ever book. And so instead of me talking about it, let's say hi to Gregory. Hi Gregory, how you doing?
1: Hi Eric, it's wonderful to be back on your show and thank you for that stellar introduction.
0: Yeah, awesome. And yeah, no, it's really one of my favorite examples because you did this last June. And why don't you just tell us the breakdown of your sales or your first launch?
1: The book was released on May 20th, so it's been about two and a half months now. Mm -hmm. And in the first month, I got about a 1,000 paid Kindle downloads in about – 3,500 nice. free downloads, and it was an experiment with the price during this time, so those paid downloads were anywhere from $0.99 cents to $5. I just sort of went up and down with the price and see how it affected how many sales I was getting. Uh, oh, paperback. Wait. Well, slow down a
0: bit. You you played with the price, and you could directly see it in the downloads.
1: Well, you know, there are always multiple variables, of course, affecting how many people are going to be buying at any given time, but if I saw Consistent pattern of, you know, I was selling 20 copies a day at $2.99. I wanted to see, okay, if I go up to $3.99, mm-hmm. that number drop significantly? And I'd be able to see a pretty clear correlation if I did that. Now, nice. as time has gone on now, and the book has garnered a lot more social proof and more of a following, I've now kept it at $4.99, but in those early, months, early weeks, I really wanted to keep it as low as I could. That wouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. it would still earn me a decent amount of money and also have people the book seriously, because of course a book they pay three bucks for, they're gonna take a little more seriously than a book they pay ninety-nine cents for.
0: Yep, perceived value.
1: So I think for me that was a really good strategy, especially since I had very little pre-existing audience. It was more just about volume than profit. I just wanted right. to give people every reason to get it for free or to pay for it. And I think that worked out pretty well. So I made about a thousand bucks profit just from Kindle sales in the first month. Nice. And then there was paperback, which didn't sell that many copies. Sold about fifty through Amazon. But of course, the profit on each of those is about five bucks, depending on how I priced it. Yeah, not bad. So, yeah, so about one hundred and fifty bucks from that. Uh no, I did say that quickly start so about 250 bucks from that, mm-hmm. five times fifty. And I also use the paperback of course as, as an opportunity to sell in person to people. Basically I just had a bunch shipped to me where I was in Barcelona.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: carry a couple copies with me everywhere I went in my laptop bag is basically like a business card. And I, yeah. I know a lot of entrepreneurs there, digital nomad types, I give them out for free to co working spaces or I sell them for ten bucks a copy to people. So I made a lot of impulse sales that way. Which mm-hmm, nice. uh, and I, made a, I made a little bit of money on that, but it was more just about the exposure and getting people talking about it, getting it circulating. And that actually worked. I spent about a month in Barcelona and in the time that I met new people just through connections that I showed in my book, some of them would actually say, oh, I saw this in that co-working space on the, on the shelf there and I was going to read it. So, it, you know, it was yeah. making enough of an impression that people actually recognized it. Nice, nice. That. So, what, what do you call that? The coffee shop
0: marketing, marketing,
1: or what is that? Oh, well, yeah, I would, I would call it street level marketing. You know, nice. just getting yeah. people out there really interacting with people.
0: Hustle, the hustle.
1: Enough within a concentrated area, and I think Barcelona was the right area for that kind of thing. It mm-hmm. wouldn't work as well necessarily in other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has probably helped contribute to word of mouth and some repeat sales. Although it's you know, it's impossible to track and say for sure exactly where sales come from. Yeah. Um and then there's the audio, which actually probably surprised me the most. Yeah. I did the narration myself, which I have some experience with. I've narrated a couple of other people's books to do some voiceover work. So I figured it it of course makes perfect sense for me to also do a narrated version of my book. Yeah. And that has actually sold um, – I've made almost as much profit on that as I did from the Kindle version. Yeah. You know, I, I, this
0: is a, a revelation that a lot of people are having now, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, what i would heard is most people say that audio doesn't sound nearly as well as no. – um But I think for certain types of audiences, like I'm definitely an audiobook guy. Like I will mm-hmm. listen to an audiobook a day, but it will take me forever to read an e-book. Um yep. and so uh, there was lower numbers on the audiobook, but right? I sold about 230 audiobooks, but the commission is much higher on those, so I made about 700 bucks revenue just mm-hmm. from the audiobook downloads, nice. and that continues to still sell about 5 per day audiobooks. Nice.
0: Did you make that with ACX? Yes. Uh huh. So you upload an MP3 to ACX, and then it appears right next to your book in, in the same, uh, um, uh, sales page.
1: So there's one page on Amazon that yeah, where people actually choose ebook, paperback or audiobook.
0: Nice. Yeah, so um that's what I keep hearing from a lot of people, man, make an audiobook and uh, uh a lot of people have more sales from that than anything else uh, or revenue and um yeah, for me it's create space. Mr. Gregory, how are you? Yes, <laughs> hi. We're back. So let me tell our fans and the listeners that Gregory is in Morocco right now and he's uh he's on uh yeah, whatever kind of internet connection you can think of right now. So where were we Gregory?
1: Uh, I was just saying, you know, I'm the kind of person where sometimes I'll see a book that looks like the kind of book I'd really want to read, and I'm always really disappointed if it's not available in audio because I know I'm not going to get around to reading it unless I can listen to it on my phone, like while I'm on a bus or something. Yeah. That's where I get most of my reading, quote unquote, done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love audiobooks. I'm 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 a big fan, of listening in in my car and stuff like that. So um, so okay, so you had thousand paid downloads. $3,500
1: $3, for the Kindle. Yeah.
0: Thirty five hundred free. Yep. A bunch in uh, paperback, uh, uh, and even more in audio. Uh, so, and that was your very first book.
1: Yeah. So total revenue revenue for the first month was about two thousand bucks. Cool. Second month was nearly the same. Sales numbers went down a bit in the Kindle, but also I I upped the price all the way up to five bucks. So revenue was still almost the same. Hmm. And uh, now in the third month, uh, I think I'm a little bit behind now on revenue, uh, but I'm also now experimenting with more ways to to get some ongoing promotion going with things like pay per click, Amazon's uh, oh, yeah, yeah. you know paid advertisements. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's you know I'm I'm pretty impressed with it at this point. It's still ranking about number ten thousand overall. On uh-huh. paid Kindle, which again I think is phenomenal. At certain points, it got up to about number four thousand, but it pretty consistently stays around number ten thousand. Nice. Yeah. Um, I've had
0: I've heard mixed reviews about uh, the Amazon pay per click thing because the, the first of all the minimum is a hundred dollars, right?
1: Well, you can cancel and add at any time you want if it's not performing. You can just cancel it, but yeah, that's just like oh. their default budget.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. So you could cancel it before the hundred bucks runs out.
1: Yeah, so I would just monitor and if after 5 or 10 bucks have been spent it's not performing, then I would just cancel it.
0: Hey, that's a great tip. That's a good tip. Yeah, I haven't tried those ads yet. Um yeah, cool. So um yeah, how big was your audience before your existing audience?
1: So this was my big weakness. I, I was I've always been the kind of guy who's really got something to say and is pretty <laughs> good at saying it, but has no one to say it to. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I never wrote a book or anything until now, um, because I just figured no nobody would care even if it was a great book. You know, I just didn't see that really as is an option for me. It's not in my skill set. It's not in my personality. Oh, it I'm it not a community now. builder. Yeah, and apparently apparently it is now. That's the kind of person I've had to I've had to become. Yeah. Um, so I had very little audience in terms of followers, but what I had was a lot of people I've worked with or worked for, Mm -hmm. uh, people who'd been my clients in regards to different kinds of business and branding and sales, uh, who just really liked me as a person, were really impressed with the kind of work that I did, and then I had a lot of personal connections too, like Facebook friends and people who've known me throughout the years who necessarily didn't even know anything about my approach to business which of course is the subject of brand identity breakthrough but really liked me as a person and liked the way I thought about things like my interpretation of things so that alone was enough to get them interested in the book yeah and you know for most of those people my goal was just to get them to read it or even give it to them for free or get them to be early beta readers to help me improve it it right. wasn't to try to sell to my own friends you know right. I wasn't viewing them as like everyone buy my book give me money um, my goal was to be able to get people who had never heard of me to buy the book, right? Because that's a much right. larger market than people who already know who I am. So I tried to leverage people who already did know about me and liked me to build enough of a buzz around the book, get enough initial downloads going on the book. I encouraged them to get it when it was free. I encouraged them to leave reviews on it as soon as it launched, people who'd read it, you know, honest reviews, of course, not telling them what to say or paying them or anything like that. And that was enough, apparently, in con- in conjunction with the other publicity type stuff that I did and so you uh, had, some paid promotion.
0: Yeah, sorry. You, so you reached out to your circle of friends and mentors or business people and then you that's how you built your audience before the launch was getting them to spread the word.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I know enough about how marketing works which is sort of the irony is i wrote a book about marketing and i don't <laughs> like marketing yeah
0: uh, that's uh, like, a lot like of-
1: sales which to me is a very different thing sales is about having really powerful direct conversations with people marketing is about building large groups of followers and mass influence and that's the kind of stuff i don't really like doing but i knew that i had to leverage what influence i already had to build more influence
0: and and that's all you did so, so okay, let's go through the steps. What are your steps used to launch now?
1: Well, okay, so I understood two very important things, and I think these are things maybe that most people miss. They're looking for like some kind of cheat sheet or or yeah. system that guarantees success. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Like people, people just really be writing a book as like a commodity now, like just pick a topic, write a book, and make some money on it. And that wasn't my goal at all. Um, I didn't even really look at it. As a revenue source, like I knew I could make some money on it, but that was not my purpose in writing it. It was mm-hmm. not to earn a living, and it wasn't even to to get famous or anything like that. It right. was to write a good book and get people to acknowledge it as a good book. The yeah. byproduct of that is that I'm making some money, and now I have a little bit of a brand reputation as being a guy who wrote a pretty good book. Yep. But that was the main goal: is to write a good book and ha- and get other people to agree that it was a good book. And mm-hmm. and Getting that social proof of other people saying, yeah, this is the real deal. This is, this is a book worth reading. This isn't just a guy who, who saw an easy way to publish on Amazon mm-hmm. and make a buck or whatever. And that's, you know, even of course my, most of my earlier views were people who already knew me who I'd given advanced reader copies to or mm-hmm. I used services like some of the ones that you've recommended right. uh, for, for uh, lining up people who've reviewed similar books and so you could reach out to them and say, hey, I've, I've written a book too. Can I send you a copy in exchange for your honest review when it launches? That was pretty successful for me. Ah, okay. So you used my
0: my thing there, the um, how to get reviews book or whatever it was?
1: Really, yeah, I did read your book and I ah, did follow so Thank you for that.
0: Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, thank you for the tip or the um, uh, vote of confidence. <laughs> Great. I'm, I'm glad it worked for you. Um, yeah. Because I know it worked for me and others, so that book is a that method is proving itself time and time again. That's cool. I'm glad it worked for you.
1: Yeah. So those early reviews certainly helped a lot. Like seeing you know like 20 to 30 positive reviews during the first week of launch really gives people that additional confidence mm-hmm. that they're they're not afraid to risk a couple bucks on it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course that was followed by you can hear the uh, the. <laughs> Wasks in the background.
0: Really? Right <laughs> yeah. now? Can you hear it? Aren't they all in bed? <laughs> Gregory's in Morocco, everybody, and he has to now face Mecca and pray.
1: Yeah, it's about 8.30 at night here. They do this every few hours. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, hey, for scraps background of music. <laughs> Anyway, um so and then after that of course reviews started pouring in from other people who were not already my associates who just either bought the book themselves or who who had found it some other way. Let me know if you can't hear me at any point if it it's too loud. I think this
0: is awesome. We are praying to Mecca and interviewing Gregory Deal in Morocco. I'm in Germany, and this podcast is going out to the whole world. Awesome. <laughs> uh,
1: this will be mentioned in my upcoming book, by the way, which is about <laughs> travel. <So>, uh, <laughs> foothills of the Atlas Mountains, the highest peak in North Africa.
0: And they've got a megaphone blasting the uh, uh, evening uh, what do they call it? the evening prayer.
1: I' like yeah, the- in the most remote location you can imagine, and it's still blaring everywhere.
0: I've been to Turkey uh, several times with some good friends and we were out in the ruins and acting like greek gods you know climbing on everything and like striking funny poses and i don't know where they hid the speakers but boom it whatever it was 3pm ala and we oh, just scared the hell out of us you know we thought we were in trouble or something you know but yeah cool yeah, okay, yeah. back to your, your <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway,
1: yeah, so then, you know, uh, the people leaving reviews, again, I didn't tell anyone what to say or anything like that. I'm sure a lot of people, authors try to get away with stuff like that, like telling people, leave a five-star review, say something about this, or even paying people to leave reviews, which is against Amazon's terms of service. But people genuinely had really positive things to say about it. Like a lot of the reviews were just pretty generic, like, yeah, it's a good book, I learned a lot, five stars. But a lot of people really gave like in-depth, really long reviews, breaking it down chapter by chapter, saying I had so many huge revelations about my business this got me to think about things in a totally different way. Um, somebody called it literally the best business book he's ever read, and this was a complete stranger who ended up emailing me after the fact, just telling, really cool. yeah, so a lot of people ended up leaving really in-depth reviews. One guy literally called it the best business book he's ever read he He actually ended up emailing me after. The book, just telling me how much how impressed he was by it. This was a complete stranger, you know. So to me, that really showed that it it is a good book, and at least some people are capable of appreciating that it's a good book. And that social proof has helped a lot, I think, with the continued sales because now people Mm -hmm. people are saying, okay, enough people have accepted this as a good book, and Mm -hmm. it's currently got 84 reviews on it right now, about two and a half months into it. Okay, before Uh, I
0: forget, um. That, that's like a bookbub requirement. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they are the, the marketing gods of the ebook world. They're the number one email list. And so once mm-hmm. you get like 75 reviews, then you can send your book to bookbub and you have to pay, it's like 200 bucks depending on your category. And, but that's the threshold. If once you get over 75 reviews, then they'll accept your book. So that could also be a great next step for your book. Cause Bookbub is like guaranteed lots of sales. It's the number one email platform or, or promoters. They're like buck books, but like five times bigger.
1: Yeah. I've definitely heard of them before and I will look into that now that I qualify for that. Yeah. So you um, use
0: the pre-sale. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so it's it's been like well. Like it's uh, it's about eighty five percent five star views, so you know, clearly some people like it and at this point I don't think the traction has any reason to sell. I'm mean, gonna still do what I can to to add some fuel to the fire. Um, mm-hmm. such as this podcast right now. You know, hopefully some people will hear it and be uh, curious enough to go out and listen to it or to get by the book. Okay.
0: So yeah, um, Say that again, because you're breaking up a bit, maybe slower, say it. I said I'm going
1: to still continue to do what I can to add some fuel to the fire. Keep some traction going, but I don't have any reason to think it's going to really massively die off anytime soon. I think more use will just keep coming in, more people will be talking about it. It was actually just included just this last week in a special bundle that a group of people put together for the best uh startup ebooks. So people would would get like sixty different ebooks for a ridiculously discounted price yeah. and my book was included in that. So awesome. now I'm getting all these people who normally would never have heard of me who are buying this bundle of books me because they like some of the other books in the bundle, but now they're also getting my book and they'll read it and they'll talk about it, hopefully.
0: Yeah that's awesome. Um uh, so uh you used the pre-sale method. This is one that's always um, interesting. For example, Pat Flynn launched his book, um, Will It Fly? And and so the – what do you call it? The common knowledge today is that you don't pre-sale the e-books but you pre-sale the physical books because when you pre-sale the e-book in Amazon, you don't get that uh, bump on launch day. Because uh, the sales count immediately, yeah, they don't build up and then go in on the launch. And so a lot of a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't pre sale the ebook; you should just launch it, you know. And uh, so, did that work for you or
1: against you? Well, again, my goal was just to get as many eyes on it as possible. Maybe because again, I didn't have a huge audience to promote or pre-sell it to. I had it up on pre-sale for the maximum length that Amazon allows, which is three months, it was on $0.99 cent pre-sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's about 150, $0.99 cent pre-sales during that time, and it actually got up to number one spot in public relations while it was still on pre-order, which is pretty rare for books to, to get up that high while they're on pre-order. And I uh-huh. think that probably helped a lot that it had that additional time to be up there for people to see it, like, oh, what's this new book that's coming up that is already ranking is so is cheap right now. And it, so, you know, Amazon has that little spot. They say hot new releases that covers the books that have been released in the last 30 days, but also books that are not yet released. So I think that gave it some additional advertising time that, huh. that probably helped. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's really impossible to say, but I yeah. think it helped. With the next book, I will try the just pre-selling the physical book without the e-book because now I have a little bit more of an audience and I have a little bit more credibility to my name, so people have a reason to care about my upcoming book.
0: Yeah, cool. So it was 99 cents on the pre-order, right?
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Which I didn't make very much money on because you're making about nope. 33 cents for, yeah. <laughs> for one Yeah.
0: So, um, okay. what What's... Okay, what's your process or your steps now that you've launched? Have you changed something?
1: Um, well, I'm not putting that much attention into the old book now, Brand Identity Breakthrough. I figured mm-hmm. I've done most of the work involved with getting that out there. Again, like I said, I still do things like podcasts and, and whatever I can get my name out there. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not devoting a lot of my attention now to keeping it up in the air, right. keeping people reading it. I want to set up some automated systems that will do that for me. But my time is dedicated to the future, to new books, to new online courses I want to create, to building out my overall brand as an author and not just focusing on this one book That you know, because I'm more than just the one book. At least that's the idea now to become more than just that one book.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, you just mentioned the Udemy courses, huh? hmm You've got yeah. uh, are you gonna just do full video oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm totally interrupting you. No, go ahead. <laughs> You're are you gonna become the total video guy now and forget books or are there more books?
1: I am gonna do both. Uh, online courses for me. I produced the the online course version of brand identity with at the same time I was writing the book. It was a natural fit for me because I am an educator by nature. I, I worked in schools for a long time around the world. I like teaching. I like explaining how things work. I like talking more than I like writing, frankly. Mm-hmm. And so it made sense to take the message I had already spent so much time constructing is the book, right? That made break through and transition it to the format of online courses. Um, and now I feel very comfortable doing that uh, and I've been helping. if you will do the same thing. I, I now help some other people write and produce their own books, and I'm now doing the same thing with online courses. People have approached me asking for help, saying, Your course looks really good, your, your content is really strong, can you help me do the same thing with this idea I've been working on for a course? And nice. I say, Well, nice. yeah, apparently I can.
0: <laughs> so, why are you, Demi, not teachable?
1: I'm actually doing both. Uh, teachable allows to self-host it and Udemy is on their platform of course and of course the advantage of Udemy is that they can bring students to me because they have an audience but they take a cut of mission as a result of that anything that I self-host I have to drive my own traffic to and I still don't have a very large audience but is that it uh, goes larger, more and more people will be driven to that self-hosted version, and as produce more and more courses, they'll have more reason to pay attention to whatever I produce there.
0: So what do you mean self-hosted? Teachable, you, you, how do you self-host?
1: Uh, I mean, I mean, the, the teachable interface is on my website URL, brandidentitybreakthrough.com slash course, mm-hmm. if you go there. So that's on my website instead of on Udemy website. I can drive traffic directly to the link.
0: Interesting. So Teachable hosts the videos, but then you embed them on your website.
1: Yeah, they have a whole interface, basically. That Interesting. You, you, yeah, but it's it's all under my URL, my brand, and that's what's important. Is that I'm in control of that. And
0: so Teachable also, you do your payment through Teachable, the payment processing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you can totally control your price with Teachable, right? That's what a lot of people complain about Udemy about the pricing. Yes. And teachable is full control.
1: Yes, I would mm-hmm. basically only recommend Udemy to low-cost courses mm-hmm. and generate leads, generate initial right. interest, but not someone who's producing a really big, long, intensive course. Mine isn't that long. It's.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Ah, are you there? Arg. Hello, Gregory. Hi. Hi. That, that yeah. Moroccan connection's really shaky,
1: huh? I make. It's the life of an entrepreneur.
0: Or maybe it's mine. I don't. I don't know. Uh, hope not. But um, maybe both. Yeah. Like, like I said, you never know. You know. You, what is it? You know. <laughs> so. Um, okay. Where were we? Uh,
1: Dentative. I was just saying that uh, people, you know, Teachable is better probably for larger, more expensive courses. Mm-hmm. Mine's 99 bucks. It's not a it's not a super long, super mm-hmm. in depth course. Mm-hmm. Um, but people produce you know thousand dollar courses that are much longer. It's better for that sort of thing.
0: But wait a minute, you also have don't you have a brand identity course too, right?
1: No, that, that is the course, but oh. the brand identity breakthrough course, I'm going to be producing more, probably one for every book that I write, and I plan on writing a lot of books. The next book right. that I'm nearly done with the rough draft now, and I'm about to enter the beta, beta reading phase, is uh, currently untitled, but it's about mm-hmm. using international travel as a means of rapid personal development, like the, mm-hmm. the unique kind of personal development and self-realization you get by thrusting yourself into new external circumstances. I've never seen a book about that subject before and I think it's something I'm uniquely qualified to talk about.
0: I I think so too. I think it's cool, but um I was wondering if you're not allowed to go back to California because you'll piss off Tim Ferris.
1: Uh I don't know. <laughs> not enough
0: room for two alphas in California, huh?
1: <laughs> well, I think we have very different personality brands. I think we probably talk about Similar things, but our own unique way. I think I'm more—he's more fun and inviting and engaging. I'm a little more cerebral and confrontational and Mm -hmm. uh, intentionally antagonistic to people. You would never confuse our books for each other. You you see my tone and my approach to things. I think there's enough of both of us.
0: Sorry, sorry, but then I got to ask you, who's your favorite philosopher?
1: Philosopher. Uh, that's a good question. Uh-huh. I have read a lot of Joseph Conrad lately, uh, the uh-huh. hero of the faces, um, which is great because I've always been a guy who loves good stories, good narratives, and that's a very heavy topic in the book. I've read through about using stories and narratives in your own brand, and your own uh, business, make people really connect with you and reach out to people in a unique mm-hmm. way. And of course, Joseph Conrad, sort of the master of that, like the, the journey that the protagonist must mm. go through, the obstacles he has to overcome. And uh, I take a similar kind of approach now to the travel and personal development book i writing. If, if you are the hero of your own story, how how is the world a canvas for you to go on all these journeys and these trials to discover who you yeah. are? Can you yeah, become one of those challenges?
0: Yeah, that's a good tip. Joseph Conrad. Yeah, I've heard of him. I will read some of him now.
1: Right he's on. Sort of, he's sort of the father of that.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, we're kind of jumping around here now for all of our fans out there. Um, you know, Gregory's in Morocco and we keep getting cut off. So um, what would you do different knowing what you know now?
1: Well, as I told you last time we talked, this mm-hmm. whole authorship affair for me kicked off under rather unfortunate circumstances. The short right. version is… I was ripped off for five thousand dollars by a woman who claimed to be an expert on book publication and marketing. <laughs> yeah. uh, she wasn't. <laughs> Long story. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And um yeah, I was, to
0: that interview. <laughs> yeah. Uh
1: her name is Abadoy, and mm-hmm. I've I've come to realize she's part of a much larger class of people who pretend mm-hmm. to be very good at something and talk a very big game in place of actually being able to produce results. Yeah,
0: that's and I've always
1: sort of been it. the opposite, where I'm someone who's – anything I do, I only do it if I'm 99% certain I'm going to do an exceptional job on it, right? But I don't talk to my, about myself in the way a conventional, conventional pushy salesman does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was naive enough to think that, you know, people – People wouldn't do that in the entrepreneurial space. Wouldn't claim to be something they're not just to try to get my money. Or maybe she thought she could do what she claimed she could do, but just then, some point changed her mind and decided to keep my money anyway. It's really tough to say. Get inside the mindset of somebody who who's willing to rip people off because I would never do such a thing. You know, I I, I that's the naive part of me that I think that everybody holds themselves up to the same moral standard that I hold myself up to. Yeah. But as a result of that, you know, and because I'm so willing to talk about it, like a lot of people wouldn't necessarily come out and publicly say, this company Convertport ripped me off and stole my money, like, you know, cuz it generates controversy and potentially even bad publicity for me if I come across as somebody who just whines and complains and badmouths other people. But I think it really does the opposite. It shows that I'm somebody who holds myself to an extremely high standard and anyone I work with, Is also held to that extremely high standard, which means that other high standard, high quality individuals can feel a lot more comfortable coming to me and that when I say I'm going to do something and it's going to be done at a certain time to a certain Mm -hmm. quality, it's going to get done because that is the kind of person I am. And that's certainly the response I've seen now from much higher level clients I've been working with since the book came out.
0: Well, my friend, I have no problem with you calling out the ripoff artists. Um, I don't know who it was. maybe it was Buck Buck flogging or Matt Stone. i I don't remember, but he said no. uh, you, you can't whisper your way to the top, so, absolutely, so don't. <laughs> okay, so call them out. Um, yeah, uh, do you know who said that? Uh, no hmm, I'm going to have to look that up. Okay, so besides that, uh, what was your biggest takeaway that you learned from this launch and your first book?
1: I think it was about learning what it means to write a good book. Like I already knew how to write, so I knew how to communicate you in know, that basic skill set, but that's not the same thing as writing a book. Like you, There's a format people expect when they read a book. And I've read enough books in my life to understand what that means, but it still takes a lot of work to take just the raw information, the words that come out, and arrange it so that it is a book and that it flows sequentially and that chapters are as long as they should be, mm-hmm. and the whole thing looks and feels and, and sounds like a book. And now that I know how to do that through enough trial and error, and again, very valuable critical feedback from my early readers, um, I really feel like I can do that at least 10 more times. And that's sort of the plan now is to spend the next few years writing at least 10 more books. That's the awesome. one's done, and I think the second one is going to be uh, even better than the first. It's certainly getting done a, a lot faster now that I understand the steps I can select, but I have the process. It should be out by November at the latest, possibly October. Okay.
0: So what is that title. date again? Oh, you, don't, you don't have a hard date?
1: I doubt. October or November. Okay. You know, That's what I'm saying right now. Hey,
0: if you sure. don't have a title, you can do some A-B tests with Facebook ads or, you know.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm i getting some feedback from a trusted group of beta readers, which you're certainly welcome to join, too, by the way. Uh,
0: thank you. I will. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, but yeah. You said something uh, about uh, the book, and uh, it reminded me of this article that's that's really trending right now uh, from Neil Gaiman. It's on Medium, and it was something about why we need books or something. And he said, you know, when you're having a conversation with somebody, then then they're talking with you, and you're just having a conversation, right? But when you give them a book, you're putting that conversation in their head. Actually, they are taking it out of the book and. and in putting it in their head, so you are making the conversation that's going to go sh- into their head, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a really cool change of perspective, so I I really um, recommend that article by Neil Gaiman, it's on medium.com and, uh, you, you know, just Google Neil Gaiman Medium right now, why we need books, a uh, really long, in-depth article, basically what you just said,
1: uh, pretty cool. It's interesting that he uses the term conversations because that's sort of the approach I've taken too, is that. Mm-hmm. People asked me how I knew what to write and uh, at least with the first book, it was because it was a conversation I've had probably hundreds of times around the world explaining mm-hmm. to people here's why nobody's going to buy your product or here's why I don't care about your story or here's where your brand identity is failing. So mm-hmm. basically, we just had information that already explained verbally to people over and over and make it work as a book, that's the same thing I've done now with the second book, because I've been traveling for almost 10 years now, I get into a lot of the same conversations over and over, people asking, where have you traveled, why do you travel? what's it like, what's the most difficult thing you've ever had to do, Um, what are the lessons you've learned, and so, obviously, if people keep asking me those questions, somebody's interested in hearing that information, so why not just put that conversation into a hard book that people can read it?
0: Exactly, there's your product validation right there, you know, listening to the customer, Right. So, How do you plan on sustaining sales of your books now?
1: I think at this point, it's much more about promoting the brand of Gregory Deal, the author, not the specific book brand identity breakthrough. I think people are going to read it because they like me, they like what I stand for, and they want to hear what I have to say about the process of branding and sales just as they'll probably want to hear what I have to say about travel and personal development and everything else that I want to write about, which I already have a pretty good idea of. Mm -hmm. So I'd much rather focus on building me, which requires a lot of confidence in what I have to say, which is something that has always held me back. It's part of why I never built much of an audience for myself, never wrote a book or anything, because I just never felt like anyone would care what I had to say, even if what I thought I had to say was really valuable. Now that I've had some validation with that that people are saying that, you know, what Gregory Deal has to say is is pretty cool, I feel much better about just coming out to the world and saying, Here are my thoughts about these things. Here's here's what I've learned about this and I think the response is just going to continue to grow and be more positive from there because I understand now what people want to hear.
0: There you go. And you know, if <laughs> those 85 reviews on your first book in the first month, that is phenomenal. People dream of, of, you know, 50 reviews. So if that's any indicator, then, uh, yeah, it's a good one. You know, um, yeah, so talk about your future projects. Let's, uh, get into it. Um, I mean, besides your books and, uh, what, what are you working on?
1: Um, I'm really always interested in diversifying my life internationally. It's part of the lifestyle of a traveler. Mm -hmm. Um, That means a lot of things. It means lifestyle-wise, being comfortable living in many different countries, which I've obviously done, although most aren't places I don't necessarily want to go back to. Mm To me, it's about finding those places that I want to go back to. This is my second time in Morocco, so Morocco's all right in my book. Um, I recently started dating a lovely young Ukrainian woman, which is... Uh Probably one of the only places in the world where I have not dated a woman from that part of the world. <laughs> I've dated Latinas, I've dated Asians, I've dated Americans, I've dated a lot of other people, but never an Eastern European like that. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um. That that has opened my eyes a lot too. We recently visited her homeland mm-hmm. in the Ukraine. Nice. Um, I mentioned to you before I recently acquired Armenian citizenship by descent, which is really cool. First getting to retrace my own family roots in Armenia. I'm one quarter Armenian and now I've got that second passport, which really feels like a lot of confidence uh now that I'm not completely dependent on my American citizenship. Yeah. Planning to do nice. the same thing in a few other places too. You know, I I like to really Put down roots in as many places as I can. I've got residency in Georgia now, just north of Armenia, which is also a really up and coming place that not a lot of people know about. Cool. Um, and I'm building a home in South America, in Ecuador. That's now the kind Wait of place a minute.
0: What about Georgian Armenia? <laughs> you know. Okay, I got an idea. A house in Georgia, Armenia, and Ecuador. How about that?
1: And probably one somewhere in Asia. Maybe the Philippines. The Philippines nice. is my yes. favorite.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, but you're targeting Ecuador first.
1: Uh, Ecuador is one of the first places I fell in love with when I started traveling. It was one of the few places I saw that I could spend Mm -hmm. my life and I could have kids and be comfortable, and the weather is spectacular all year, so that's kind of important.
0: Very interesting. So, what about, um, you know, the stability and the economy and all that in Ecuador?
1: Uh, I think if you're an expat living there, you're pretty much immune to most of the. Problems that people would have. Um, the locals live on about three hundred dollars a month, you know, and so huh. two times that you can live like a king pretty easily. Hmm. And I'm not too worried. Again, the point of diversification is to not have all your eggs in one basket. If my income were derived from Ecuador while I was living there, that might be a different question. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't have to worry about that. I, I can mostly just take care of myself and be isolated from any mm. minor political or economic instability.
0: Well that's the first thing with expats or people that want to live abroad is yeah okay where are you going to get your income you know and most people you know really have are, are deeply rooted and it's um, yeah it's not for everybody you know so but you're doing it i like that um what about what about them cats
1: them cats. Uh, Morocco is the place for cats. I'll tell you that much. I've never seen so many cats integrated with human society. Not not stray cats in the sense that you probably think of cats who live on the street. These are cats who basically live as a functioning part of the society. In Morocco, which is really, really interesting to see just as a social phenomenon. And as somebody who likes cats, it's pretty cool too. Most of them are pretty healthy because people take care of them. Some of them do get neglected or malnourished and it's always been a passion of mine to, to take care of those who mm-hmm. other people neglect and cannot take care of themselves. So I've, I've Rescued and rehomed a lot of cats around the world as I travel. Oh, that's, that's nice. Encourage other people to do the same thing. Uh Set examples for them to show them how easy it is and how rewarding it can be. So I'm sure I'll find a more structured way to do that as I continue to grow up professionally. Maybe start some kind of institution for that, whatever that would look like. Um yeah. But I think the main thing for me right now is spreading ideas. I'm an idea guy. I don't care about being famous for any ego glorification reasons. I don't even really care about making money. Like, I want I want to make money. I make enough money to be comfortable as it is, and I wouldn't mind being a millionaire. But that's not my primary motivation for doing the things I do. I want to spread really good ideas that actually get people to change the way they think and the way they act. Books are currently the best way I know how to do that. I'm going to explore other ways to do it. Many yeah. people suggested to me that I should start a podcast, uh, because I like talking and I think it mm-hmm. would be a really easy way for me to also get more ideas out there. The, uh, the idea I've been playing with is something I call uncomfortable conversations with Gregory. Which <laughs> is, is yeah, I get really interesting people to come on and talk about something really uncomfortable. Yeah. And hopefully at the end, uh, they, somebody or everybody has changed the way I think about that really uncomfortable topic.
0: Yeah. So if you have, yeah. have an
1: uncomfortable conversation with me, we could do that and have a podcast of mm-hmm. it.
0: There's a lot. Yeah, that's a great idea, but don't do like me. Um, I have serious bells and whistles uh, syndrome, and the next shiny thing, you know. So, for me, uh, actually, I'm, I'm podcast. I just do one when I need one, you know. But they say, mm-hmm. they say here you got to have, a you know, a schedule and all that. So, uh, I don't know. You know, that's uh, some people really rock the podcasts, and uh, I'll, I, I'd, I'd like to hear yours, but um, I think uh. Your videos and your books are are probably more important right now, you know. But okay, that's just my opinion. You're the one out there validating the ideas, right? No, I
1: I think you're right. I think, uh, well, the way some people have put it to me is that they don't think I should start something like a blog because it wouldn't be enough to get the full message or the full impact of me across. Book? Kind of works because it's long enough to get the full message out. Yeah, and they said I need to get on camera, I need to get on audio because it's not the same thing unless you know they, they have the full experience of how I interact with people and and really get people to just change the way they think about things. And that's sort of my goals to get people to change the way they think about the world, the way they think about themselves, um, everything.
0: Yeah, now that's very hard to do. But I've read your book and I uh, really liked it. And uh, like said, I had uh, several revelations too, you know. The, so I, I I recommend it to everybody. Um, so let's see what else what else did we have today? What what did you want to talk about? I
1: uh, I would just I guess the biggest thing I've learned from this journey I've been on for a few months now is that. It's, people need to be strong and confident enough to say what it is they have to say. And it was very meta for me to write a book about brand identity in the pursuit of developing my own brand identity because it was a subject that I understood very well as it had applied to other people I'd worked with, but I had never turned inward to apply to myself. Hmm. And I, it's, I just didn't have the confidence to it. I just didn't, or I just didn't care enough, right? Yeah. I've always been an introvert. I've never wanted to try to impress a lot of people. But I've realized now that personalities are conduits for ideas. And my personality, my image, my brand of Gregory Deal, the man, the author, the speaker, whatever you want to call it, can be a vehicle for very valuable ideas to get out into the world. And I'm okay with that. I, I could live very happily with that fate as long as I, I know the reasons why I'm doing it. And I think that's probably one of the most useful things I could do with my time. And other people need to figure out what that is for them. I'm following what I should be doing. It's not gonna be the same for you. You need to figure out what that is for you, but whatever it is, start doing it. I read your book. I'm gonna figure it out,
0: man. I'm I'm I don't know, eighty percent there, you know. What you want and not is, is not always what you should be doing, right? So
1: <laughs> Well hopefully you can align them eventually. You should. Yeah. Be.
0: yeah. All right. So that's that's awesome, man. So, um, you know, over a thousand bucks first book. Uh, Gregory Deal shows you that it can still be done. All right, we're back with Gregory, and uh, I was just wrapping it up now and saying, you know, you you can still do it. And you can still make over a thousand bucks with your first Kindle book, and it's not easy. But if you uh, look at Gregory's example, making a quality book that you believe in, that you stand behind, and and, uh, taking your time to do it right, you, you can, st- it can still be done. And, uh, Gregory, uh, let's talk about your, your, um, your platform and your, 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 uh, products right now. Anything else you want to say? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, just a couple things. If you want to read Brand Identity Breakthrough, you can, uh, buy it directly from my website which comes with a $20 discount off the course, if you decide to do that, that's at brandidentitybreakthrough.com and you'll see the button to buy the book there or you can just buy it directly from Amazon uh, by searching for it there, Brand Identity Breakthrough and if you do, I seriously encourage you to leave a review on Amazon because that is like gold to me. Um, uh, well, I left. It, uh, so you can also take the Brand Identity Breakthrough course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I, I saw that. Thank you very much. You were one <laughs> the first, I believe.
0: Yeah. I did uh, too, but that's not right.
1: <laughs> if um, if anybody wants to take the course, too, that's on my website at brand.nmvbreakthrough.com slash course. And also, if you would like to read the first chapter of my upcoming book, which is about travel and personal development, partially a memoir of my own experiences, which has already gotten some really, really good feedback from the advanced readers, you can now go to my personal author website that I'm developing, which is GregoryDeal.net. Deal is spelled D. I-E-H-L. It's German. Um, okay. And um, if you like the first chapter, you, I may even ask you to be a beta reader on the whole thing if you'd like to help me improve the whole thing. And as a thank you, I'll send you a signed paperback when the final release is ready and credit you in the book.
0: Awesome. So where do we get on the beta list again?
1: Go to GregoryDeal.net or send me an email if you want to. You can reach me at contact at brandidentitybreakthrough.com.
0: Deal.net. I'm writing this down. Okay.
1: Deal spelled D-I-E-H-L. Deal.
0: Yeah. Cool. Right on, Gregory. Well, thanks for the progress report. I'm sure this will be one of many and I really look forward to having you on the show again and uh, this is going to be an awesome journey.
1: Yes, and I appreciate your support along the way and for allowing me to share my story.
0: Well, that's, this is great, man. We're going to share some more stories, I hope. And, um, so I'm going to make this short because we keep getting cut off. So have fun in Morocco and, uh, say hi to everybody and the cats there that I might know. And, I will. uh, I look forward to seeing you in the future.
1: I'm sure you will. I'm sure we'll meet in person one of these days.
0: Awesome. See you. See you soon, Gregory. Cheers. Okay, my friends, if you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week, so there's no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upload this podcast and Google Play. Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top.